Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the show. My name is Austin Terrace, and I'm joined here today by my two wonderful sisters, Kylie. Hey, everybody. And Emma. Hi, everyone. Coming up on this episode of Disney Daydream. Disney executives take a pay cut and cast members are furloughed. Disney Wonder sailings are canceled through June. And a free dining plan offer is extended to guests who had their trips canceled due to the coronavirus. Later on, we'll share everything you need to know about Disney Cruise Line. So take a little break in your busy day and let's start daydreaming. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to our show. You can follow us on Instagram at DizDaydream. Please like our Facebook page, Disney Daydream Podcast. Shoot us an email to say hi, DizDaydream at gmail.com. If you're a longtime listener to the show, then you might have realized that this is our 20th episode. We are really happy about that. It's been, I would say, going on about nine months, eight or nine months now of producing these podcast episodes. And a couple cool stats I just wanted to say. We've been downloaded 2,467 times, and our top five listening cities are Ann Arbor, Michigan, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Columbus, Ohio, Ypsilanti, Michigan, and Scarborough, Ontario. So if you live in one of those locations, thank you so much for continually listening to our show. Now, we have a pretty huge topic today to try and discuss. We're going to attempt to give you a complete overview of Disney Cruise Line. Um, Because of that, I think we're going to go a little bit quickly through our news stories today, and also because who wants to continually think and talk about things that involve the coronavirus. So we're just going to speed through that and then get to the more um, happy, fun stuff. So I'll start us off with Disney announcing a temporary furlough of executive, salaried, and non-union cast members in the United States. Uh, Disney has officially closed Disneyland and Disney World theme parks indefinitely. This announcement, we all kind of knew it was coming in a matter of days, but we can be fairly certain that the parks and resorts will remain closed at least until June um, because they're not accepting reservations before that time frame. Disney committed to paying all employees through April 18th, which equaled about five weeks of payment after they shut the theme parks down, but announced that they'd be implementing a temporary furlough of U.S.-based executives, salaried and non-union hourly employees of the Parks Experiences and Products Division starting on April 19th. So only the cast members whose roles are deemed essential for maintaining park operations during the closure will continue to be paid. We do not know how they're determining that or how many those will be. But due to the recent economic stimulus bill, all of the employees who are furloughed 
will be eligible to receive $600 per week in federal compensation, as well as uh, they can file for state unemployment insurance as well. These furloughed cast members will also receive full health care benefits, and the people enrolled in the Disney Aspire education program will have continued access to that. Like I said, uh, we don't know how many Walt Disney World and Disneyland employees will be affected by this, but it is expected that union employees will also be furloughed at the same time. They're just finishing the negotiation process with Disney about their benefits. So Disney World employs 75,000 people. Disneyland employs 31,000. So we know that there are a lot, a lot of people that are going to be affected by this. To help the bottom line, Disney senior executives have taken salary cuts that went into effect at the beginning of last week. Vice presidents in the company will see a 20% decrease in pay. Senior vice presidents, a 25% decrease and executive vice presidents will see a 30% decrease in pay. Bob Chapek, Disney's new CEO, will have his $2.5 million salary reduced by 50%, although um, I guess he's still eligible for an annual bonus of at least $7.5 million. Bob Iger, who is now moved into a different role of executive chairman, will forego 100% of his salary. So these cuts... Disney stated will be in effect until the company foresees a substantive recovery in business, so we don't know how long that will take, but all executives will continue to have full health care benefits during this time. So I'm glad the executive staff decided to do this, and it just looks really good that they're also making some sacrifices, especially since they're the ones who can really afford to do so. Bob Iger making over like $60 million last year. I think he can probably go a little bit of time without his salary. And the thing that here is, though, even if Disney is potentially looking to start some park operations in June, there's no way that they'll be able to hit the ground running uh, from the get-go. So they're going to have to reopen the park, reopen the resorts in stages, meaning that Disney's not going to be able to hire back all the furloughed employees at the same time. I think we'll see, I don't know, dining's going to have to change probably, queues are going to have to change, and I'm almost wondering if they're going to move to a virtual queue for almost every big ticket ride at the moment. Do you think that could be a possibility? I heard from a vlogger that I listened to that um, briefly, right before the the parks closed down, um, that on the My Disney Experience app, a, a virtual queue button came onto the app. So people were wondering if Disney was getting ready to move to that virtual queue system right before um, the parks ended up closing. And then once the closure was announced, this button was was removed. But I do think that that's definitely a possibility um, and could see that happening for sure. And they have to be careful about trying to balance like operating the park responsibly with regaining some of this lost revenue. So I also wonder if we're going to see a slew of add on things like parties that are going to be sold at like super high dollar amounts or special meet and greet things. I don't know. I just think that we'll be paying for a lot of 
extras and add-ons in the coming years as they're trying to not make the parks as crowded as they used to be until at least a vaccine is available so they can still make the same amount of money off of a lower amount of customers. Um, But we've also received some bad news about the Disney wonder over the past couple of weeks, as well as the whole cruise line industry as a whole. So Kylie's going to talk a bit about that. Yes. So the Disney wonder previously had cruises scheduled for departure on April 29th and on, which kind of blows my mind to hear that they hadn't canceled those yet, but I guess it makes sense. They're trying to kind of wait till the latest possible date to cancel things. But um, most of these cruises were leaving or arriving in their port in Vancouver. However, the Canadian government just placed restrictions prohibiting ships with 500 passengers to dock in Canadian ports until July 1st. So these cruises had to be canceled as a result of that Canadian law that just went into place. Um, The cruises that were canceled were all Alaskan and Hawaiian cruises, Um, because of the use of Vancouver as a port. So Disney Cruise Line is offering the choice of a 125% future cruise credit to be used for a future sailing within 15 months of the original sale date, or you can get a full refund. Disney's really trying to um, make future cruises uh, appealing with this 125% cruise credit obviously they don't want to just completely lose um all of the all of this money they want to get it in the future so that makes sense to me um and i think that's a really great deal for the people whose trips were affected by this virus um in addition at least 38 disney wonder crew members have tested positive for covid19 it is possible the crew members were um became infected on the Wonder's last cruise. This ship left New Orleans on March 6th for a 14-night Panama Canal cruise, and the ship had to skip many of their planned ports as ports were beginning to close down while the ship was um, sailing. Finally, they docked in San Diego on March 19th, and this was five days after the Cruise Lines International Association asked all U.S. cruise ships to suspend cruises for 30 days. So this cruise ship was actually sailing after um, that suspension took place. There were 1,980 people on the ship, and when the ship arrived, none of the passengers or crew had symptoms except for one crew member who had been diagnosed with influenza. Uh, However, the passengers were asked to self-quarantine for 14 days, and during that time, multiple passengers tested positive for coronavirus, and five crew members were sent to shoreside hospitals for COVID-19 treatment. So definitely not good news for the Disney wonder. Yeah, and if people are kind of questioning why couldn't they just, like, move around the itinerary, for one, I mean, the cruises in April and May are going to be canceled anyway. But even so, your, your ship has to have a special designation to sail only in national waters so cruises actually have to cross into international waters as they're cruising so you need a port in a different country which is why they had to end up canceling uh these voyages because actually the wonder does as we'll talk about later quite a few cruises that um go from vancouver down the california coast to hawaii and then from vancouver up to alaska but if it doesn't go to a different nation, then they they have to cancel. 
All right, so let's just continue moving on to some good news, actually, with a a deal that's actually a really, really nice deal that came out recently for people who had their vacations impacted by these closures. Disney is offering a free dining plan to all guests who had to cancel their Disney vacation due to the coronavirus. This offer is extended to all guests who had trips planned from March 16th through May 31st, even if the park opens before then. This is valid for arrivals most nights from June 1st through September 30th, 2020. Um, You can't combine this with any other discount or promotion. The length of stay has to be 2 to 14 nights, and there are also ticket requirements. It's a two-day minimum, and all ticket types are included. The offer excludes um, campsites and children ages 3 to 9 must choose from the children's menu if available. Gratuities are not included. This offer is subject to availability. Everyone in the same room must be on the same package. Theme park tickets valid for admission begin on the date of the check-in and must be used within a limited number of days depending on the length of stay and the ticket. From my understanding, although the offer is subject to availability, there is widespread availability for this. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I've heard that if there's a room at the hotel you're booking at, they will give this offer to you. So it's not one of those offers where you need to book the most expensive preferred view um, in order to get it. You'll be able to get it if you had your trip canceled and you can find availability at one of the resorts. This caused a little bit of commotion over the first couple days when it was announced because certain people already had their annual passes. So they were frustrated that in order to get it, they had to purchase additional park tickets. So what Disney has done is said that they can take that ticket cost off and apply it to your annual pass payment or your annual pass payment for next year. So that's kind of a nice workaround for those people who only booked a resort stay, but now have to book with this package deal where you get your ticket. So you will be, in a way, reimbursed for what you're paying. So yeah, with that in mind, before we get into our Disney Cruise Line topic, I hope that you are staying safe and healthy in your own homes and that you are just doing the best that you can to pass the time and support your your family through this difficult time. So stick with us because if you've never been on a Disney cruise, you will learn a lot about DCL. We have tips about booking, tips about staterooms, how to save money on a very expensive vacation. So Disney Cruise Line is our topic coming right up. Okay, so Disney Cruise Line, we've been waiting a long time to do this topic. We love Disney Cruise Line, and it just felt perfect that we could do it on our 20th episode. So Kylie is kind of the resident Disney Cruise Line expert in here. Um, Emma and I have both taken one sailing 
back when I graduated high school um, in the summer of 2012. And Kylie, you've been on two or three? Two. Two? Okay. Mm-hmm. So when was the last one that you went on, and which ship did you sail on that time? The last cruise I did was the summer of 2017. We cruised on the Disney Fantasy, and it was a... Uh, let's see. It was an Eastern Caribbean cruise. Okay. So in 2012, we did a uh, five night cruise to the Bahamas. Um, and that was on the Disney dream. So we, we've had experience on the two newer ships. We haven't been on the older ones, the magic and the wonder. Um, but we're going to start with those today. So Emma's going to give us a little overview of those two ships. The layout for um, the Magic and the Wonder is essentially the same. So we're kind of going to lump those into the same category. Starting with the Magic and the Wonder, for entertainment, they have live stage shows, deck parties, first run movies, and character greetings. They have a different show every night, and they're pretty cool. Uh, deck parties are a lot of fun. First run movies you can watch by the pool or in the theater and character greetings all over the ship. For recreation, Adults Only has um, the Senses Spa and Salon. There's dining at Paolo, night dancing at Fathoms, and live piano music at Keys on the Magic Ship. And on the Wonder, the bars Cadillac Lounge and Crown, Crown and Finn Pub, as well as dancing and more at Azure. For youth clubs, both ships have Disney's Oceaneer Club for children, Edge for tweens, and Vibe for teens. For pools, there is the Aqua Lab and Goofy's Pool for kids and families, and Quiet Cove Pool for adults at both ships. And there's the Aqua Dunk, which is a dropout water slide on the Magic. For sports and fitness, both ships have a gym, and a wide world of sports deck. Moving on to dining, the main dining at the on the Magic is Animator's Palette, Lumiere's, and Rapunzel's Royal Table. The Wonder has Animator's Palette, Triton's, and Tiana's Place. For casual dining, there's the Cabana's, Pinocchio's Pizza, um, the Duck and Diner on the Magic, and Daisy's Delights on the Wonder. And just if you haven't ever seen pictures of the ships before, uh, Disney Cruise Line is a Art Deco style. So if you think that really classic vibe, I mean, I'm sure people have seen like Titanic. It's kind of in that style, except, you know, obviously elevated and brought into the new century. So you kind of have this ornately decorated lobby with beautiful lighting fixtures. And there's um, just like gorgeous woodwork throughout the ship and in the rooms. And then the exterior of the ship is in a very classic, large cruise ship style. Um, Some yellows and whites and blacks. Yeah, something I love about the Disney Cruise Line ships is they wanted the outside of the boats to be classic and elegant while still bringing in elements of Mickey. So if you look at the ships, the, you can see the lifeboats on the sides of the ships that obviously they're required to have, but to make it tie in, they're the color and shape pretty much of Mickey's shoes. 
So they're like the yellow, the bright yellow rounded shape um, with the red and the black and the white to kind of pull Mm -hmm. in elements of Mickey without being over the top um, cartoonish, I guess. Right. And it's very different from how the other cruise lines are taking like their new ships nowadays. Um, They're trying to, if you're talking about Royal Caribbean and stuff like that, they're making these like massive ships with like malls and like a roller coaster. And I mean, it's just like kind of crazy. Disney has a different type of style. They, they don't, their ships aren't um, as big as those ones, but they, they feel a bit more intimate and they've certainly redefined cruising for families, even though they're nightlife opportunities, it's not going to be a, a party ship, but in that same vein, I don't think it's fair to say that Disney Cruise Line is like a cruise line that's just for kids. If you have a full adult party, you're certainly going to enjoy yourself, which Kylie, your second trip was with all all of adults, right? Yeah, we had one, no, two that were um, high school students. So it was, um, we went with my husband's family and all of us were adults except for the two that were in high school. And uh, we spent the majority of our time in the adult-only areas, the adult-only pools, and they're super quiet and super relaxing, and um, you f- don't feel like you're on like a stereotypical Disney vacation with the young kids and the loud, the loudness of the families. Um, it's a totally different vibe than when you're in the theme park. Yeah. Because when you're in the theme park, you're going to be face to face with kids in the midst of a meltdown. I mean, they're, they're going to be crowded moments and somehow Disney cruise line just doesn't feel that way. And I think because it has the reputation of being a cruise line, you only go on with your kids. Those adult only areas are so much less crowded Mm -hmm. than if you're cruising on carnival or Norwegian or something like that. It's just, you have your own space. Yeah. And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but even on um, Castaway Key, Disney's private island, they have spaces where um, that are designated for adults. So if you're really concerned about the kids, it it's really a non-issue because there are so many different options and places that you can enjoy um, with just adults. Right. And not even to mention the adult-centered or adult-only activities that are led on board of the ship as well. So the cast members are great at providing entertainment options for a wide range of of people. So let's move on to the layout of the newer ships. They're a bit bigger, and they're the Dream and Fantasy. Yeah, so for entertainment on the Dream and the Fantasy, again, it's the same as the other two ships— The deck parties, stage shows, character greetings, and first-run movies. For recreation, um, the adults have their spa and salon, again, on both ships. And for the dream, the bars are Skyline and Pink. There are live televised sporting events at 687 Pub and Dancing at Evolution. On the fantasy, the bars are The Tube and La Piazza. For youth clubs, there is the It's a Small World Nursery, Disney's Oceaneer Club for Kids, Edge for Tweens, 
and Vibe for Teens. Those are on both ships. And then the Midship Detective Agency and the Bippity Boppity Boutique on the Fantasy. For pools, there is Mickey's Pool and Donald's Pool for families and kids. Quiet Cove Pool for adults only. And the Water Coaster, the Aqueduct on both ships, and then the Aqua Lab is on the Fantasy, which is, um, that has some water slides for littler kids. Um, then for sports and fitness, there is the gym and Goofy's sports deck, and it has things like mini golf, which we loved, and basketball, that type of thing. For dining, for both ships, there's Animator's Palette and Enchanted Garden. On the Dream is Royal Palace, and on the Fantasy is Royal Court, which I don't really know what the difference is between those. They sound kind of the same. So, yeah, of... I ate it both, and they're they're the, they're pretty much the same. The they give you like Cinderella's Castle, Cinderella's Royal Table vibes. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't notice any major difference between the two. Yeah. And then for casual dining, there's the cabanas again, Flo's Cafe, Frozone Treats, Ice Cream. Adult only is Paolo and Remy, which Remy has French cuisine and it's more of a fancier type of place. So yeah, those are the two newer ships. Right, and it's kind of worked out this way that the Dream and Fantasy now are sailing uh, to the Caribbean and in the Bahamas because those are the ships that demand more people and can they're the ships that can hold more guests because those are very popular sailings. They're usually cheaper sailings, and they're, I would say, more friendly uh, and accessible to families and kids. And then you've got the Magic and Wonder. They they kind of do the longer sailings. So those sailings that are the Alaska cruises, they do the sailings in Europe. Um, and the ones down to Hawaii or the Panama Canal one and the transatlantic one. So they're doing the much longer, kind of more adult-oriented cruises. Although you will definitely find families on every type of Disney cruise. So um, the, the Dream and Fantasy make very frequent stops at Castaway Key, Disney's private island right there um, in the Bahamas. Yeah, so this is, again, an island in the Bahamas that you go to on some Disney cruises. It is Disney-themed, so there's a ton of fun theming to look at all around the island. There are different beaches, like Castaway Key Family Beach, obviously for families, the Teen Beach, obviously for teens, and Serenity Bay, for adults. They have three barbecue options, Cookies Barbecue, Cookies 2, and Serenity Bay Barbecue. There are also four bars on the island. As far as activities go, they are mostly located on the family beach. They have things like Pelican Plunge, which is the floating water slide and play platform in the ocean. It includes two water slides, water cannons, and a giant bucket dump. You actually have to swim there to get to it, so that's pretty cool. For kids, there is the Spring Leak Water Play Area and Scuttles Cove. There are also game pavilions and even a 5K on the island. The last activity without an added fee 
is the character meet and greets throughout the island. For added prices, you can rent different kinds of boats, snorkel equipment, other water rental items, and bikes. And there are also different stores on the island with clever names like She Sells Seashells and everything else, and By the Seashore. And I think that is just Uh, hilarious. That's awesome. And we should also point out, if you haven't really cruised around the Bahamas or Caribbean before when you go to Castaway Key like that is really your if you want a beach day like that's Mm -hmm. your beach day because if you go to Nassau you're not going there to have a a beach day like a lot of their beachfront property is part of a resort that you can't go to unless you're staying at the resort or you have to pay to go to a beach or you're going to a rocky area of the beach that's free. So if you're looking to take a cruise and you think at every port, you're just going to hop off the ship and go to a beach that's within walking distance from where your ship is docked, that's not really how it works. But that is how it is at Castaway Key. So you can have your relaxing beach day with those beautiful white sand beaches and crystal clear Mm -hmm. blue waters when you go to Castaway Key. Yes, my biggest regret, I guess, from Disney Cruises is on our last cruise, we chose to do an excursion at Castaway Key, and it was okay. <laughs> I would never do it again, honestly. It it was a lot longer than we anticipated, and it pretty much took up our entire day at Castaway Key and Castaway Key is so beautiful and so fun to like Austin said just sit on the beach you can get snorkel equipment for like five dollars and just like spend the whole day snorkeling everything is netted in so no like large animals can get into the area where you swim, which if you're afraid of the ocean is also... I am (laughs) afraid of the ocean. ...really reassuring. So it's a great place to snorkel. And the other ports are awesome for excursions. Definitely save your excursions, spend your money at the other ports, and then just enjoy Castaway Key um, because it's so beautiful and such a a fun place to visit. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I mean, make no mistake... Disney Cruise Line is a luxury cruise line. You're going to pay a lot more than Carnival Norwegian um, Royal Caribbean. You just are. But you also get a lot more amenities included in your total cost than you do on those cruise lines. On those other cruise lines, sometimes it can seem like you're being nickel and dimed. The food isn't that great, but the food at DCL is incredible. Um, And that's sort of because... The other cruise lines want you to pay for the specialty dining, but Disney doesn't really do that. If you want any type of drink on your cruise, even just juice or a soft drink, then you have to buy a beverage package, but you don't when you're cruising with Disney. So Kylie's going to go over everything that is included for you when you book a Disney cruise. The booking cost of your cruise includes almost everything you experience on board. It includes your stateroom, taxes and port fees, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, unlimited ice cream, and soft drinks at mealtimes, as well as around the ship. This also includes character meet and greets, all the entertainment, including the live Broadway-style shows and Disney movie showings, and you also have access to the pools on the ship, the sports deck, the fitness center, Uh, all the clubs and the lounges, 
And if Castaway Key is on your itinerary, you will also have meals, soft drinks, and ice cream covered while you visit the island since it's owned by Disney. Uh, however, at any other port, you will have to pay for your meals if you choose to eat off the ship. And then at all of the ports, including Castaway Key, you will pay extra for excursions. The only on-ship additional costs are going to be alcoholic beverages, spa and salon services, babysitting services, photography services, phone calls, video games, and the adult-only restaurants. So in my opinion, one of the best parts of your Disney Cruise Line experience is going to be the dining. Disney Cruise Line utilizes a rotational dining plan, so this allows you to try all of the restaurants on board and have a unique experience each night. Each ship has three main dining locations, as Emma previously went through, and all of them are heavily themed. You'll rotate between all three restaurants, and it's important to note you don't get to choose where you go. Your dining rotation is assigned to you when you check in. You'll find it on your Key to the World card. And if you cruise for longer than three nights, you will have the chance to visit restaurants more than once. But don't worry, the menu and the theming will change to keep your experience new and exciting. You will also be assigned a seating time and a table number. Since there are so many people who need to eat on the cruise ship, this allows the process to run smoothly and eliminates any extra wait time or backlog in the kitchens. There are two dining shifts. The first is between 5.45 and 6.15, and the second is between 8 and 8.30. Be sure not to miss your seating time because you can't get in late if you miss that, that window. Also be aware that if you have a smaller party, it is highly likely that you will be at a table with another group. So if you don't want this to happen, you can always request a private table, but it is not guaranteed. Disney will do their best, but there are obviously limited numbers of tables. Also, just to clarify, this is for dinner only. You can choose when and where you eat breakfast and lunch. You can also choose to miss a table service dinner and opt to eat dinner at the quick service locations if you want to do that and you won't be penalized. Although I don't know why you would do this on purpose, I have really loved all of my dining experiences on the cruise ships. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with cabanas, but I mean, it, it doesn't rise to the level of these restaurants. It's yeah. truly a really great gourmet experience, um, much better than what you would get at a uh, sit-down restaurant and a lot of other cruise lines. So it's definitely worth going every night for dinner. Also know that like, you can really order an unlimited amount of food. You get dessert included. It's not extra. You get appetizers if you want them. If you want seconds, you can order seconds. Or if you don't like what they brought out to you, you can change and order something else. Um, so it's it's worth it to sit down and eat those meals. And although I don't think we've ever done this, um, both Paolo and Remy are really highly regarded Palo being a pretty gourmet experience um, above and beyond what you can get at the three rotational dining rooms, but I believe it's only about $40 a person. And for the meal that you get, I've heard that's a great value. Remy is even on the higher end. I think nowadays that's above $100 a person, but that's something that is like a multi-course three to four hour artistic experience as well. So keep that in mind if you're looking for one of those really special nights. They also do a lot of really cool special event dining things at the adult-only restaurants. Um, 
if you're interested in, I think they do like a dessert and wine something where you get like a five course dessert or something crazy like that. So keep an eye out for those cool um, specialty type meals as well. And then also know that if you do make a reservation at Remy or Palo, it is going to change your dining rotation plan. So you're going to miss out on one night at one of the rotational dining restaurants. Um, the best part, in my opinion, about rotational dining is that your server and assistant server rotates with you. So for the whole cruise, you will have the same serving staff. And uh, the servers really become friends. They're going to make an effort to know you and make your experience extra magical. They're going to learn your names. They're going to learn your go-to drink orders. Um, They will pay attention to what you're ordering each night so that they can um, kind of learn your preferences and taste in food to make personalized recommendations for you. So it's a really cool personalized experience, especially if you're on a cruise for like when we did our seven night cruise, um, we really got to know our wait staff really well. Um, in general, they're going to go above and beyond to be sure that you're satisfied. So for example, um, my husband's grandma loves creme brulee, but it's only technically on the menu at Royal Court. However, uh, she wanted it at every meal. So our server would put in a special order for her each night and would bring her creme brulee, creme brulee even if it wasn't on the menu at the restaurant for that night. Moving on from rotational dining, you're going to have at least one themed night while you're on the cruise. For most cruises, the theme night is pirate night. You get to dress up in pirate attire and your meals are also going to be pirate themed. And then you get to attend the pirate themed deck party and fireworks show after that. The party usually consists of a short stage show, fireworks, and then dancing. On certain cruises, the theme nights will be either Marvel or Star Wars, and it will tell you that when you book the cruise. Uh, DLC also does special cruises for Halloween and Christmas, so these are super fun experiences. I would love to do um, a holiday cruise. The Halloween on the High Seas cruises include Mickey's Mousquerade Party. This has games, trick-or-treating, dancing, and some favorite Disney pals decked out in their Halloween attire. They have Halloween activities happening throughout the cruise, including mask making and pumpkin carving. They do Tim Burton's The The Nightmare Before Christmas Sing and Scream, which is an interactive movie experience, followed by a meet and greet with Jack and Sally. And then they also offer haunted stories of the sea, where you can listen to a ghost story or two during a campfire style storytelling experience on the deck. There is also, for the adults, a Halloween party and costume contest there. So if you are wanting to get away from the kids for a night, they have options to do that too. Then for Christmas, the Very Merry Time Cruises take place, and these include Mickey's Tree Lighting Magic Ceremony, where kids can help light the ship's Christmas tree. They do Santa's Winter Wonderland Ball, where you can join Mr. and Mrs. Claus for a grand celebration in the atrium featuring Broadway-quality entertainment, Disney characters, and classic holiday tunes. Then you can experience some extra enchantment when the a pair of royal sisters stop by for some frozen fun after the, after the ball. Obviously, Anna and Elsa. 
in case you were wondering. I was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They do a meet and greet with Santa Claus and special Disney characters. And then there's also going to be a life-size gingerbread house, similarly to um, in Disney World. They do this as well, but it's going to decorate the ship. That makes for a great photo op. They have story time with Mrs. Claus, themed activities and crafts for kids, such as decorating stockings, creating festive cards, and holiday scavenger hunts. And then they also have um, different youth parties and holiday merchandise available during those cruises as well. So when you are thinking about booking your cruise, you have a variety of stateroom options to choose from. Disney has some of the largest and nicest staterooms in the cruise line industry. Um, The rooms on the Magic and Wonder are almost identical, as well as the staterooms on the Dream and Fantasy. Uh, There are four major room categories you can choose from, inside, ocean view, veranda, and concierge. So let's take the inside staterooms first. On the Magic and Wonder, these are either 184 or 214 square feet, depending on if you get standard or deluxe. They sleep three or four people in a queen bed, single sleeper sofa, and an upper berth pull-down bed. After walking in, first you see a full bathroom with a vanity sink, shower, and tub. Then you move into the sitting area that has a couch, TV, and a desk. A privacy curtain can separate this area from the sleeping area that has an elevated bed for underbed storage. The difference between the standard and deluxe inside stateroom is that the deluxes have a split bathroom. One bathroom has a vanity sink, shower, and tub, and the other has a vanity sink and toilet. So the inside staterooms on the Magic and Wonder do not have portholes, so you need to kind of go to the deck for an exterior view. But on the Dream and Fantasy, and this is kind of a theme, the staterooms on the Dream and Fantasy, they're newer but also a bit smaller. But these inside staterooms on the newer ships do have a what Disney calls magical porthole. And this provides guests with a real-time view of the ship's exterior through an LCD flat screen that's disguised as a porthole. And once in a while, your favorite Disney characters might even come into view. And this is a screen that can be turned on or off in the night if you don't want it on when you're sleeping. Moving to the next category, and of course these increases in price as we go along, the Ocean View staterooms. On the Magic and Wonder, these are 214 square feet. They sleep three or four, uh, the same configuration, queen bed, sleeper sofa, and pull-down bed. The design's a bit different, though, than the inside staterooms. They feature the split bath arrangement, but then you walk into the sleeping area first, then there's a privacy curtain, and then the sitting area. Guests do have an exterior view here because each stateroom has one large porthole or two small portholes. On the Dream and Fantasy, the rooms are a bit smaller, um, and they have a deluxe family ocean view stateroom as well. So the uh, family ocean view is 241 square feet and can sleep up to five people in a queen-size bed, sleeper sofa, wall pull-down bed, and then upper berth pull-down bed. Some of these rooms actually have a wall divider instead of privacy curtains, which make the stateroom feel more like a suite. They also include leather upholstered ottomans in the sitting area and an extremely large porthole with built-in seating. So basically it kind of extends out of the wall a little bit so you can kind of sit inside of the porthole and look out to the ocean. Um, The veranda staterooms on the Magic and Wonder are 268 square feet. 
They sleep three to four people in the same configuration as we mentioned before. The layout is the same as the Ocean View stateroom, but these of course come with a private veranda for you to sit and take in all the incredible sights of the ocean and landscape on your cruise. The verandas do have patio furniture. They come with deck lighting and either a plexiglass or solid white wall railing, and then childproof locks. I know a lot of people, if they're first-time cruisers with kids, worry about doing a veranda room because they're worried about their kid getting out alone onto the veranda. My memory's a little faulty, but I seem to remember that it seemed like that door was pretty childproof. Can you kind of confirm that, Kylie? It, It seems like it'd be pretty difficult for a small child to get out on their own onto the veranda. Yeah, and we actually had we had the veranda room for the cruise we did on the Dream, but my last cruise on the Fantasy, we had the um, deluxe Ocean View stateroom with okay. the large porthole. Um, so it's been a while since I've stayed in a veranda room, but it, yeah, I remember the locks being pretty secure, and um, yeah, I think it would be pretty difficult for a small child to get out there on their own. Right. So on the Magic and Wonder this time, there is a family Ocean View stateroom with veranda option. So that's going to come in at a larger 304 square feet, and it can sleep an additional person in a wall pull-down bed. And this is a more spacious option, and the seating area is expanded. So for the Dream and Fantasy veranda rooms, same configuration. They have the Deluxe Ocean View stateroom with veranda, and then the Deluxe Ocean View family stateroom with veranda, and the rooms are just a little bit smaller. And then I won't go into too much depth about concierge options. That is out of the vast, vast majority of people's price range. But if you do want to sail in even more luxury, you can consider the concierge room options. These are suites, and they'll give you access to larger rooms and a concierge specialist who will help you with absolutely anything that you need on your trip. And you'll also be able to have meals or just relax in an exclusive concierge lounge. So for current itineraries, um, Disney Cruise Line does kind of seasonal trips. And there are some that are offered year round, uh, essentially the ones that go to the Bahamas and the Caribbean. But other than that, of course, like the Alaska cruises are very popular. Those for sure only run during the summer. That makes sense. Um, The Northern European cruises are only run during the summer. So I'm just going to briefly go over a few options that DCL has at the moment. So the Alaska cruises vary between five to nine nights. Hawaii cruises are either nine or ten nights. They're very rare, and they either start or end in Vancouver, like we mentioned during the news portion of our show, so that the ship can travel to an international port. They're Pacific Coast cruises between two to seven nights along the California coast, or the Mexican Riviera. Um, Bahamas cruises go year-round. They're very popular. They can be as short as two nights or as long as seven nights. Bermuda cruises are five nights, and these are very rare, too, because they depart from New York. So, like, once or twice a year, um, there will be New York departures. Same with Canadian cruises. Um, They're five nights as well, leaving from New York City. Western Caribbean cruises go pretty much year-round, four to seven nights. Um, Port examples could be Cozumel, Grand Cayman, Jamaica. 
Eastern Caribbean cruises are between seven to nine nights. You might stop at St. Kitts, Martinique, Antigua, St. Thomas. And then Southern Caribbean cruises are seven to nine nights. And this has a lot of the same ports as the Eastern Caribbean um, with the addition of St. Lucia. All of your Bahamas and Caribbean cruises, remember, will include that stop to Disney's private island at Castaway Key. Mediterranean cruises are offered between 5 to 11 nights. The shorter cruises, between 5 and 7 nights, you'll go to um, Italy, France, and Spain. But then longer cruises here, the 8 to 11 night options, will include stops in the Greek Isles, which are very popular cruises to take. For northern European cruises... Those are between 7 and 11 nights. Uh, You can stop in places like Estonia, Finland, Sweden, Russia, Denmark, Scotland, and England. And then British Isle Cruises. Uh, This is a 7-night option, and you'll travel between England, Ireland, and Scotland. Then, last but not least from their um, usual offerings... Disney has been doing a lot of Norwegian fjords cruises lately in the past few years. These are between 7 to 11 nights in the summer only because you'll be going to England, Scotland, um, sometimes Iceland, Norway, and Denmark. There are a couple unique cruise options that are offered about once or twice a year, and they're called the repositioning cruises. Uh, For example, when the Wonder needs to trek back around from um, Alaska back to Florida, essentially, they'll offer a Panama Canal cruise. It's two weeks long, and it includes stops to Mexico, Grand Cayman, Colombia, through the Panama Canal, and then up to California. And then when the Magic needs to take its trip from Port Canaveral over to Europe to do its summer cruises, you can take a eastbound or westbound transatlantic cruise. These are between 10 to 13 nights, You have lots of days at sea, pretty much seven days at sea in a row, Um, but then you can get stops in Portugal, Spain, Ireland, the United Kingdom, and if you're heading back to the United States, um, if you're doing the westbound trip, that'll include stops in Canada. Something just to add about days at sea, don't be afraid of having days at sea in your in your itinerary. I think a lot of people can think, well, they're going to go stir crazy when they're just on the boat. They're not stopping at different ports. But honestly, there are so many things to do on the ships that you want those days at sea to really be able to enjoy the actual cruise ship itself. We had on our um, seven day Eastern Caribbean cruise, we had, I believe it was three days in a row at sea. And it was, it was like, it was really nice. And I could have honestly had more because there were still things on the ship that we didn't get to do. It's really that time to relax and um, enjoy all that Disney has to offer on the actual cruise ship. Yeah, I think it would be fun because I love the ship so much to be able to have a lot of days at sea. Just probably not a good option if it's your first cruise and you're not sure how your body is going to react to that ship motion to take a a transatlantic on your first trip, Um, maybe for your second or third cruise. Um, So here's some pricing examples because, as we mentioned before, this is a luxury cruise line. You do get a lot more included with your price, but um, a lot of the times this can be significantly more expensive than cruises you'd book with Norwegian Carnival or 
Royal Caribbean. So for some of the more popular options, I looked up prices for a family of four, two adults, two children. The very, very popular three-night Bahamian cruise on the Fantasy. Uh, There's one August 22nd. Inside stateroom is going for $2,607. Ocean View stateroom, $2,679. Veranda stateroom, $2,829. And then concierge suite, $5,331. So that's for a three-night, four people. That's the total price. It is possible to have a fantastic time because of what Disney offers for you, just going on the Disney cruise and not spending any additional money. If you're okay maybe not getting a whole bunch of souvenirs or doing the specialty dining or getting a bunch of alcoholic drinks, you can totally cruise and not spend a dime after you've paid. Here is some of the seasonal disparity, though. So August 22nd, that's moving into hurricane season. September, October, those are the cheapest times to cruise anywhere because of hurricane season. Now, your very merry time Christmas cruises are one of the high times to to go. So it's much more expensive. Here's the difference. Um, The same cruise departs December 21st. Inside stateroom is going for $4,097. Ocean View, $4,283. Veranda, $4,451. And then concierge starting at $7,418. So the difference between August and December, um, close to twice as expensive. So that's how much variability there is here. Just a note about going on a cruise during hurricane season. There was a hurricane that hit um, pretty hard in the Caribbean one of during our cruise or right before our cruise um, on the Fantasy. And Disney did a really great job of making sure, first of all, obviously that we were safe and we were staying out of the path of the hurricane. But one of our ports, we were supposed to stop at Tortola, and it was pretty devastated. They told us that if we were to stop there, we wouldn't really have much to do or see. So Disney quickly changed our itinerary so that we could still get um, to a port that day. They ended up taking us to St. Martin, and they um, easily transferred our excursions to excursions on St. Martin and made it just a really seamless process. So unless you're going while a hurricane is happening, Disney is going to do a great job to make sure that you still have um, a great experience. And Disney will, if they can't get you to another port or give you another day at Castaway Key, they will actually refund you money for having to skip a port. So um, it does happen sometimes, you know, there are things that are outside of their control, but they do their best to... Um, make the situation right. And then last but not least, these ever-popular Alaska cruises, um, seven-night example on June 21st, inside stateroom, 8,506, ocean view, 9,598, veranda, 13,121, and concierge, 20,653. These are by no means the most expensive options. Um, But just it is possible if you are trying to cruise for the first time, if you're looking for those three to five night options, it is possible to stay within three to five grand. If you're looking at traveling for about a week, you're probably looking closer to the uh, seven to eight, nine thousand mark. Oh, and because we're running so long, um, I think we're just going to have to do like 
a separate episode on tips for saving money, like on Disney Cruise Line, because let me I don't want to just speed through those. There are a lot of helpful things that you can do to cut down on the price of your trip. Uh, and I want to be able to give that the time it deserves. So maybe let's just end this. I know it's been like a whirlwind of information for our listeners. Um, let's end with just a recommendation for them, because I'm sure by now everybody's heard of Disney Cruise Line. Lots of Disney fans want to take a Disney cruise, but for them, it's not a, oh, okay, yeah, here's my 6,000 that I had lying around. Let's just book one for next year. It's an either or situation, right? If they take a Disney cruise, that means that they're not going to be able to take one of their regular Disney World or Disneyland trips. So let's say for the for the family that goes to Disney World every other year, is it worth not going on one of those trips to experience something for four or five nights on Disney Cruise Line? What would you say, Emma? I would say yes. Because, I mean, like, I was just figuring out how old I was on our trip. I was nine, I believe. And honestly, like, I wish I remembered more of it, but, like, I don't really remember a lot of things from, like, that time in my life, I guess. But I, I do remember the most about the Disney cruise, and I still think about it. And I know, like, after we got off, I was talking about it for so long, and I just wanted to go back. And it's really, like, an amazing experience, and it's so much fun. And it's still, like... I mean, if you love Disney, it's Disney. It's just like a different type of Disney. So I really loved it. So, yeah. Kylie, would you recommend that? 100%. I absolutely love Disney Cruise Line. I could cruise every year. It's really, I mean, like Emma said, it's still so magical and you still get that Disney feel just without the, like, crazy chaos of the theme parks which don't get me wrong I absolutely love but sometimes it's nice to experience Disney in that more relaxing um see the world kind of setting so I think every Disney fan has to experience it at least once then we're three for three I 100% agree I think any big Disney fan should experience a Disney cruise. It's a lot of money, but it's hard to find things wrong with Disney Cruise Line. Like, I think undoubtedly it's worth the huge expense. And if your family loves Disney and you go down to the parks every year, every other year, every three years, it is worth canceling one of those trips and doing a Disney cruise in its place. Even if you're used to doing like a seven to 10 day trip to Disney world and you can only afford the five night cruise still worth it because it's such a different experience, but it's, it's such a great one too. In looking back on all the trips we've taken as a family, um, sometimes since you go to Disney world or Disneyland a lot, a few things can run together, but those Disney cruise line vacations, they really just stick out and they'll stay with you forever. So Uh, continue to stay safe and stay healthy and that's going to do it for this episode of the disney daydream podcast hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next one remember be kind to one another and take the time to find a magical moment in each and every day